Today we have a gift of God that has uh, come to minister. I've taught you this over the years that I believe the New Testament church needs the apostle. We had an apostle here in its truest sense of the word last Sunday. I honor that man for what he's doing worldwide. And we have a gift to the body of Christ. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. We have an evangelist. I want to put his name up right now and uh, yeah, with this picture there that was behind him. You see that word evangel? I'm thankful that we were on his list and that Michael Koulianos came to evangel today. Come on, let's love on him. Appreciate the, the ministry again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. This man has been a dear friend. He's been a prayer partner to your pastor. And uh, God is good all the time. But I want us to honor the man of God. You're going to be blessed by the ministry that God's put in his heart for this service. It may not look like the earlier service. That's up to God. But uh, I'm thankful to have this gift. And I'm going to ask 100%, everybody that's watching online, I want us to bless the man of God. I want us to bless the man of God. And I need some of the business people to help me. And I need uh, everybody to do something. As pastor, you know, I always say this. Don't do anything you can't do. I don't want you to do that. Um, but then there are times that God inspires faith and uh, to do something. But everybody can do something. Give while he's preaching or at the end these offering baskets are out in the lobby there's about six secure uh, places where you can give they're on the wall and they're marked tithes and offerings but uh, we want to bless the man of God and I appreciate the evangelist pastor Michael Cooleanos let's give him a big evangel welcome come on come on evangel Good morning, Evangel. Come on, let's just close our eyes. And why don't you just begin calling on the Lord like you were about five minutes ago? Come on. Just let his name flow from your mouth. Let the praises of God flow from your mouth. Jesus, 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 we love you. Come on, just close your eyes. Forget about everything. Jesus, we love you. We adore you. And we give you all the glory. And we call on you, Lord. Welcome you, miracle-working King, wonderful King. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill this house with your glory. Can you just take a moment and just sing, sing in the Spirit? Come on. Just lift your voice. Come on, everyone in the house. If you've never... Never done it before? Just put your prayer to song. That's all you have to do. So the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people.
Holy Spirit, we yield to you, surrender. You're the wind of heaven. We trust you to carry this morning, carry this meeting, carry our hearts straight to the throne of the Lord Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you that Jesus will be so lifted high that everything not from you would bow its knee in this room. Sickness and depression and anxiety and lost souls, everything, everything, everything bows its knee this morning in Jesus' name. Now lift the praise and seal that prayer. Come on, seal that prayer, lift the praise. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, wonderful King. Wonderful King, wonderful. Holy Savior, Holy Savior. Come on, lift one more, lift one more, lift one more. Holy Savior, we give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. All the glory. Hallelujah. Ooh, this is gonna be a good one. Give the Lord praise one more time, come on. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. All right. Thank you, worship team. Would you let the worship team know you're grateful? You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Are you happy today? That's legal. You're allowed to be happy. Pastor, would you and Mrs. Riggins just stand up for a moment? Would, would, that, would you guys just stretch your hands? Just stretch your hands. Father, thank you for this couple. Thank you for who they are and who they've been. And Lord, your friends are our friends. I pray in Jesus' name that your honor for them would be seen and known, for heaven is filled with honor. I just want to say to both of you, in, in the presence of the Lord and his people, how grateful we are uh, for your lives and the lives laid down for each other, first of all your lives laid down for Jesus and your unwavering commitment to his kingdom and his house and these precious people. I also wanna say that what's so noticeable to me is your commitment to his presence. You love the word of God, that's rare. You love to pray and you love your family. And I want to honor you publicly and as God's people, we should all honor you publicly. We give honor today to whom honor is due. Thank you for doing it the right way. And thank you for loving him and walking in purity. We honor you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I want you to thank your pastors. Would you do that?
Jesus taught us that, uh, well, I better not start preaching yet. <laughs> That's, uh, you feel the wave coming in and then you, you stay on that thing until it crashes. And I can feel the wave building. Uh, do we have that video? I'd like to run that Jesus 21 video really quickly. I hate talking about stuff when I'm preaching, but this is important. I know it from heaven. This is going to be a gathering in the presence of God for two straight days. And your pastor actually <laughs> gathered on those same fields 40, 40 years ago, and they slept in tents. Now, we're not making y'all sleep in tents, but this is, I believe, part of God's sovereign plan for our state and our nation and the nations of the world. So could we just run that Jesus 21 video real quick? going to be something else. And uh, could we just put up that uh, slide with the speakers, if we could, please? Yeah, we've gathered some of God's dearest friends. Uh, my father-in-law will be there, Heidi Baker, Claudio Friesen, who helped lead the Argentine revival. Heidi's planted over 20,000 churches in Mozambique, and they've seen about 500 raised from the dead. Yep, I said they've seen 500 raised from the dead. You do still believe in that stuff, right? And she goes, it's mostly my team and the children who pray for the, who pray for the dead. Stephanie Gretzinger will be there. Jeremy Riddle. John Wilds has been here multiple times. Eric Gilmore. Michael Miller. Michael is the pastor at Upper Room. And then Brother Yoon there on the second row to the right was imprisoned in communist China for, I believe, around 20 years. Was tortured daily. The Lord appeared to him, led him out of the communist prison, literally. The Lord appealed to him, appeared to him and said, Yun, get up, we're leaving. And he said, but Lord, they broke my legs. They broke my legs today. They would beat his shins with steel pipes. And the Lord stood at his bed and he said, we're leaving. And uh, the Lord said, I can't walk. Don't you love it when we try to inform the Lord? He said, I can't walk. He said, I said, get up, we're leaving. Yun got up, they walked out. Every gate opened, and there was a taxi cab waiting for him on the curb in front of a communist prison. Come on. You know, look, you may say, this is too much. Well, then the Bible's just way too much. This is the God we serve. So uh, Brother Yoon walked, he got into that, that, that uh, <laughs> taxi, and I love the humanity and all, all of it. He goes, hurry up, go, 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 as though the Lord couldn't handle it at that point. And the Lord had spoken to, to one of his prayer group leaders, a woman, 
in one of the house churches in communist China, and he told her, make Yoon's favorite meal. He's coming out of prison today. He's coming to your house. So the taxi driver drove Yoon to the house. He knocked on the door, and his favorite meal was waiting. He, he showed me the scars on his body from his persecution and torture and does it with laughter and joy. The man is probably the most God-filled human I have ever been around. He's going to be there pouring into us as well. And then uh, Brian Guerin will be there, upper room, Lindy, David Papavisi, Ben Fitzgerald from Awakening Europe, and then our whole Jesus Image worship team. We want you to come, and we're, we're offering. We've only done this for three churches outside our own. We wanted to invite you guys because this is your state. They're doing it for half off, and that's for two days of an epic world-changing event. You can just use that code right there, Church50, or scan that QR code, and this will only be available for the next 24 hours. How many of you know that's pretty much, a, you can't go to a fish fry for $37. So we're going to gather on the Central Florida Fairgrounds, which is where the Jesus people gathered. And last year, we had to add four overflow fields, not rooms, fields real time as the event was going and believe God for the money to pay for each field. And we went for it. We put up screens and thousands upon thousands heard the gospel, not in Africa, not in Asia, right here in our state. The Lord Jesus is on the move. So we want to invite you guys, come and watch our miracle working Jesus flood those fields with his glory. Amen? Amen. We'd love to have you. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're going to do. We are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. About four years ago, I was flying to Cleveland, Ohio to preach at Bethel, Cleveland, and I was reading a book and just meditating on the Lord on the plane, and it was a book on healing. My friend had written it, and how many of you know that the whole point of laying hands on the sick is to actually see them get healed. I know that sounds very basic, but if you lose that conviction, then you settle for repetitious religion. Then you glory in the fact that you're just going through the motions. If you don't put your heart on the altar and take a risk to actually get the breakthrough. So I was hungry and we had seen so many people miraculously healed in that season, but I wanted more. Because they're not statistics, these are people. I said, these are people. And Jesus loves people. He really loves people. And if he loves people, I wanna love people. And I don't want to see 25-year-old moms die before their daughter gets married. And I, I don't want them to not be able to see their children graduate. I don't, 
I want those children to have mothers and fathers who will raise them. And I believe that's the compassion of Jesus. So there's always room for more. Say that, there's always room for more. Say this out loud. I thought you were gonna say that out loud. <laughs> say this, the only way to keep what I have in God is to go after more. Okay, this is really important. Let me say that again. Let's say it again one more time so it gets into your spirit. The only way to keep what I already have in God is to go after more. This is in the Word of God. It's in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus actually says to him who has a little, even what he has will be taken. And to he who has much, more will be given to him. Now this generation hates that. Well, not all of us who are in Jesus, but and there's actually a big chunk in the church who don't like that part of the Bible. How many of you know we didn't get a vote as to what's written in the Bible? Neither do we get to read it through our own perspective. It is to shift our perspective. A lot of times we want to change the perspective of the scriptures in the name of a gracious God who died on the cross. But what we need to remember is that the cross did not change Jesus. The cross is meant to change us. So the world wants to say everybody gets the same. Everybody gets exactly the same. Doesn't matter how hard you work or how disciplined you are or how many times you've screwed up, everyone should have the same. And it sounds regal and noble, but that's not kingdom. In, in the kingdom, the scriptures teach and the context here is hearing God's voice. Because Jesus said, you don't have to turn there because I don't want to lose the flow. But just write down in your notes, Mark chapter four, it's there. I promise you, this isn't the book of Michael. This is the word of God. Jesus says this, listen, listen to the language. Take heed what you hear. That means you are a powerful person who has the ability to choose which voices you listen to. That's, nobody else is gonna steward your ears for you. And social media has been great in many ways for the gospel. It's also given a voice to some pretty stupid perspective. How many of you know that? And you know, the spirit of stupid is actually contagious and transferable. You can give it away. You just gotta listen to it enough. You can get a real impartation of stupidity by listening to fallen minds, pass it on to one generation to the next. That's how it happens. But powerful people, and how many of you know that the God of the cosmos lives in your being? You're like, oh no, I just thought there's this little bitty Jesus sitting on a little seat in my house. No, no, the God who created the universe lives in your skin, in you. And that's why our surroundings 
never determine our joy. The only reason Jesus could calm an external storm is because he was at peace sleeping through it. That storm did not affect the wellspring inside of him. So that storm adjusted to the calm waters inside of him, and so Galilee became calm. This is the way of the kingdom. So Jesus says in Mark 4, take heed what you hear, choose wisely. So he's addressing the subject or the topic, what we hear. And then he says, for by the measure you use, it will be added back to you. Now we, we, we typically use this when it comes to giving. And, and, and I'm not saying that doesn't work, it actually does. I'm not saying I shouldn't say work because Jesus isn't the slot machine. It does work, but it's deeper than just doing it so it'll work. How many of you know we're really not giving to offering buckets a true giving heart puts the offering in his hand. That's the holy way to give. Because the Bible says in all you do, do it unto the. That changed my life. They were no longer buckets. I would say, oh, these are the hands of Jesus. Here you go. So then he says, for by the measure you used to hear, it will be added back to you. So number one, choose what you'll hear. We can all do that. And number two, choose how much and how intentionally you hear. And by the measure you use to hear, it will be added back to you. What if I told you that reading your Bible was a matter of life and death? Not just a matter of having a better day. Can I come down, man? Can I come down? Okay, I'm getting stirred up. We're children of the wind, right? We don't use the Holy Spirit. We, he uses us. And that's the way it goes. Am I messing up the live feed? Okay, I'll stay in the light. <laughs> Reading your Bible's not a matter of having a better day. It's a matter of life and death. You say, well, I don't, I'm not sure I believe that. That sounds a little intense. But Jesus said, man doesn't live. Not get through the day. Man doesn't exist. By bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth, current speaking, not proceeded, proceedeth. God's voice is always in the move and it's always in the now. That's why the universe is growing at the speed of light by one utterance. His word is alive. That's a living book. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. Every word, not every paragraph. See, the Jesus people are in love with the comma, the period, the accent mark. Jesus called it 
the jot and the tittle. Not only are we addicted to the instructions, but we love how he says what he says. We love the tone of his voice. We love how quickly he says something or maybe how slowly he says something to bring us peace. We live by his voice. So in Mark 4, Jesus says, you've got to understand something. How you come to me and how you lean in. For by the measure you use, how you lean in will determine how much I say to you. You say, I don't really care to hear much. You would if you heard him once. Just one whisper. Just one little whisker about your backslidden teenager. One. One word of knowledge to that backslidden teenager. Like my mom did, I went to the ATM machine in Gainesville, Florida. As a student at UF, putting in the the a pin code to go take money out so that I could go party that night and I'm getting the money out and my cell phone rings and it's my mom in Tampa. I put the phone to my ear. I'm punching in the code at Wachovia Bank. And she said, don't you dare go do what you're about to go do. I'm like, took my finger away. She said, uh, I said, Mom, what are you talking about? She goes, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I guarantee you they never saw anyone stand at the, uh, uh, it was like that ATM machine was a demon. <laughs> I backed away from it. I said, I was away from Jesus. I said, Mom, you got it wrong. Sorry, I know you think you hear from God. You got it wrong. I'm not doing anything. She said, don't you tell me I'm wrong. I know the voice of my Jesus. You get away from that ATM machine, you go back home, remember God has called you. The voice of God is food. Food. A matter of life and death. Have you ever wondered when you, you look out at the, expanse and the lineup of God's kingdom and it looks like the same people get to keep having the most fun. God seems to raise up people in generations and then when you think he should spread it out, he just keeps using those people a little bit more. And these complexes set in and we go, well, maybe I'm just not called. Maybe I'm just not chosen. Certainly God just wants to spread it all out. No, no, he's a king. And a king, listen to this, a king always rewards faithfulness with more opportunity to be faithful. And so there are some people who come to their devotions ready to check off the box that they got through that hour of devotional time on a good day. I don't want to bring condemnation, but I'm just here to tell you, biblical prayer, an hour is kindergarten. Kindergarten. You're like, oh my God, what I sign up for? Everything. 
An hour is kindergarten, biblically. It's a shallow end. That's why Jesus said to them in the garden, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all couldn't wait for an hour? Just an hour? Jesus prayed all night, all night before he chose his staff. Before he chose the 12, he spent a whole night in prayer. You hire the wrong staff a few times, and you're going you're gonna to see the value in that, I promise you. How many of you remember when Jesus cast that demon out of that little boy and his disciples could not? Do you remember that passage? He threw himself in the fire. The disciples tried their best. They couldn't get it out. And Jesus comes down the mountain. I love how we always look at Jesus as that just gentle shepherd. And he is. Who puts kids on his knee and just loves them. Never rebukes anyone. Never brings correction. He's just the exact Jesus I want him to be. You go too far with that, you start thinking Jesus works for you. I tell our team, Jesus isn't the center. He's way more than the center. He's everything. He's all in all. He's the center. He's every corner. He's everything between the center and the corner. He's everything. So Jesus comes down that mountain, and it's amazing to me that he's so frustrated that he rebukes them and says, a faithless and perverse generation. And then in a word, he cast that demon out. What did he do just before that? Spent the night with his father, being transfigured on the mountain. What happened just before he walked on water? And by the way, who here knows how wide the Sea of Galilee is? Say eight miles. Eight miles. The Bible says Jesus went up the mountain to pray. And then while he was praying, a storm kicked up on Galilee. His disciples were on the middle of the sea. When your Bible says middle, your Bible means middle. That's the best way to read your Bible, like a little child. What is the middle of a lake that is eight miles wide, four miles into the lake. How in the world does Jesus, I've been on that mountain by the way, how in the world does Jesus see his disciples struggling four miles away? That's what happens when you pray. I said, that's what happens when you pray. And when you leave a whole night with God, you don't need another boat to get you to him. He just walked on the water for four miles. How long does that take, Pastor, if you're not Jesus? An hour. You will find that many of the glorious moments that triggered not just healings, but glorious moments, creative miracles, the, the, the working of signs and wonders, those moments where the elements themselves bowed their knee to Jesus, you will connect them to a night of prayer. So Jesus didn't pray casually. He modeled what it looked like for somebody who's fully man and fully God to be so used of his Father that the whole world, the whole world would shift 
for a ministry that lasted three and a half years. Never forget this. How you approach him and how you listen will determine what and how much he speaks to you. Now, to the people who listen like their life depends on it, because it does. When you open your Bible, God is speaking. This is the greatest prophetic word you will ever discover. If you come to your Bible and say, I just need to get through my chapter, you may not hear a whole lot. You say, I'm not just, I just don't, I just don't care if I don't hear a whole lot. You know what David said that's like? He said this in the Psalms. If you are silent unto me, it's like I have gone into the pit. True lovers of Jesus feel alive when he speaks. And when they don't have his word and can't hear him and see him in their hearts, they feel dead inside. So if you come to the Lord casually that way, I'm not saying you have to get all bound up and freaked out, screaming. No, no, that's not the point. This is a heart posture. But if you come to the Lord just wanting to get through your chapter, well, for, by the measure you use, that measure will be added back to you. But then there's a few people who come like their very existence depends on his voice that is bred, and he starts talking because he knows they value him. Now, I, I have the joy of leading a, a ministry school called Jesus School. Most of our students are young. We have some students in their 70s, which is young. Say amen. C compared to the ancient of days, that's young. That's what we tell them. They're very young. And how many, how many of you just grew tired of only hearing prophetic words that had to do with this next generation? I did. Because all of a sudden, I started discovering those only had to do with 18-year-olds. Until I heard Bill Johnson say, if you're breathing, you're part of this generation, get in the river. Get in the river. So we have students at Jesus School. And we teach them that when God speaks, build a reputation in heaven that you're listening. See, like uh, at our Sunday services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, I made a pact with the Lord because he spoke to me. He said, I want you to preach the gospel every service because if you don't preach the gospel, why would I send the law to you? He said, you need to build a reputation with me that you're trustworthy to handle the lost. See, God, God is a good shepherd. He's not going to send the lost to a house that doesn't preach the gospel. Why would he? That would be bad management. Well, you do it time and again. God starts going, I trust them. I trust them. I trust them. Here come the lost. We've seen thousands and thousands born again. Thousands. The same applies to hearing the Lord. I want to build a reputation that when he speaks, I treasure it. Don't take his voice casually. So at our school, we've got a bunch of 18-year-olds to 25-year-olds. Most are single. They're in a ministry school environment, and they all want to get married. Thank you, Jesus, and I'm all for it. I'm like, this is a great place to meet your spouse. 
And if they take too long, sometimes we tease them. Come on, find a wife. You can't find a wife here? What's wrong with you? That's what we tell the guys. But I don't know if you've ever watched a 20-year-old date today. It's something else. It's pretty funny. And Jesse and I, my wife and I, will go to some cafes or dinner places, and we'll see, we'll see two, two 20-year-olds dating. And at some point, the phones come out. This is hilarious. And hopefully the guy's paying for the dinner. He's paying for the dinner. And they're sitting at the table. And they just both have their phones out. I guess that means I love you today. I don't know. I'm surprised we don't have prayer lines now for arthritis of the thumb. I watch it all the time. They'll be like, I'm talking like five to 15 minutes. Bill comes, bill's paid for, they go home. You pull them aside and say, how'd the date go? And they go, I don't know, just, I just don't feel like we connected. I just, he wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't talk to me. And if she did, it was just so shallow. I just wish he would have gone deeper. I wish she would have shared the treasures of her heart. I just feel like she's not making herself known. Of course she's not, you're staring at a screen. Think about this. Do any of us share the treasures of our hearts with people we don't think are listening? I don't. No good preacher would. Jesus said, do not cast your pearls before swine lest they turn and trample you and them. Well, Jesus would never ask his body to do something that he does not do himself. That's what makes him the patterned son. So, why would Jesus share the truths and the treasures of the scriptures or his voice with us if he's not convinced we're listening? Now, here's the deal. Remember what I said at the beginning of service, the only way to keep what you have is to go after more. If you have just a little, a little of his voice over your life, a little of the prophetic promises, have you ever noticed that when you step out of the presence of God, especially for an extended season, you start to forget what God spoke over you as a little girl, a little boy? It's true. So true. When people backslide, you have to remind them, don't you remember what God told you in 2012? Don't you remember that word your mother gave you when you were five? Don't you remember your destiny? No, you start forgetting the voice of God when you leave the presence of God. What's the difference? Is this okay for you guys? What's the difference between the soils. What's the difference between the soil where the seed is stolen, that is shallow and rocky? And by the way, the scripture teaches that if you live over there where it's shallow and rocky, 
The devil will come in a moment and steal it. Immediately. The word actually says immediately. So when the word is preached, and it's preached under the anointing, it's not a word issue. It's a soil issue. Just like, do you know, I feel the anointing. Do you know that God is not deficient in fire? We're just not flammable. It doesn't take much fire to start a forest fire. It just takes a spark on someone who's lost their life. We call that dry wood. The best wood that burns is wood that's lost its life. Wood that has surrendered to its root system. It's been cut off. We call that being born again, severed from the wood, severed from the tree, the old root system of life. And that's why John the Baptist said he's putting the ax to the root of this whole thing. Dead wood burns. Living wood smokes. I want to burn. I want to burn. It's not that God is not a fire. It doesn't matter if you have a barrel full of fire or one little match. They both start fires. It's just a matter of being flammable. Waiting for that next word. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. I'm not moving until you talk. I won't build until you speak. I won't go unless you say go. I will not say it unless you say it to me first. I'm listening. Your servant is listening. I won't go my own way. Initiative is dangerous if it's not tethered to the spirit. That's how you build an idol and call it a ministry when it's Babel and you've constructed it and it will die at the throne. What's the difference between the soils? I'll tell you what the difference is. The good soil. Well, let me, let me say it another way. The bad soil, according to Mark, Mark's gospel, is called the soil by the wayside. Do you remember that? Say wayside. You ready? This is really deep, this part. Where is the wayside? It's on the side of the way. Wow. What a prophetic word. The wayside is on the side of the way. Jesus is the way. And where Jesus is walking, you want to get right behind him and walk as closely to him as possible. That is called the way. If you move and distance yourself from his glory, from his presence, all of the sudden, you live on the wayside. You receive the same word, the same seed. The preacher's preaching. You receive it. It's right there. He's preaching the same word to the whole crowd. But the issue is not the seed. It's the soil. To those who are in the presence, the seed is safe. It bears fruit. A hundredfold. To those who live outside the presence and just attend church, the seed is at risk. And so when you leave the presence, you can't remember the prophetic word that your grandmother gave you or your pastor gave you. You knew it was right back then, but you leave the presence and you forget it. And here's the danger. Now you're left with a little. And even what you have is taken.
What does God do with what he takes from you? He goes to the one who has been listening. Who already had ten times more than you. I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about the word of the Lord. He takes from the one who hasn't been stewarding well. Who hasn't been living. He takes that and then puts it in the lap of the person who has a million pounds worth already. That's the way of the kingdom. You do know Jesus is coming back. We say it so much, it, we're numb to it. At least my generation. Now this generation of church doesn't say it at all. Or not enough. He is coming back. Listen, listen. This, this is as real as Christmas. If you don't believe Jesus is coming back, you don't get to believe in Christmas. Those wise men came to worship a king. And that king is coming back. This is as Christian as John 3.16. This is an integral part of the gospel. Now, when I preach this, it's amazing. Some people will be like, so what? You will care when it happens. You will care. Because when he comes back, he's either coming back for a bride or an enemy. A bride or an enemy. When he comes back, listen church, that eastern sky will crack open like a whip. It will tear like a veil. I want you to hear me for a moment. Can I have five more minutes? A man, listen, listen, listen. A man, a man who is fully God and fully man, a man with flesh and hair and eyes and holes in his hands and feet and in his side. A man is going to break the sky open and return as the only mediator between God and man. Now you say, why is that a big deal? Have you not watched the news at all? There is a king on a throne right now. You say, I have no idea. On behalf of the church, we are sorry for not telling you one of the most integral parts of the gospel message that he shall return and judge the quick and the dead. What I want to say is this, you don't get to throw this one out and call yourself a Christian. You can throw this out and call yourself a cult member, but this one 
is as Christian as apple pie. So why is that a big deal? I'll tell you why. Everybody in here who's struggling with physical sickness, listen to me. If Jesus conquered death, he can handle your sickness. If he destroyed the grave, he can handle your sickness. And when this Jesus pierces the sky, when he comes back, the graves are going to break open. Oh my God. That shit excites you and it just makes perfect sense when you know the gospel. People say, he's already returned. I'm not sure I believe in the little return of Jesus. And my response is, well, as long as there are cemeteries in existence, you'll know he hasn't made it back yet. Those graves are going to blow open. And you'll get a new body. Oh, hallelujah. Do you know why you need a new body? Because your bridegroom has a new body. And if you don't get one and he holds your hand, you're gonna fry like a moth in the flame. It's a matter of survival. It's a matter of marrying like kind, like nature. We're made in his image, in the image of God. There's a marriage coming. Why do you think Hebrews 2 says this? That he, since we, I should say, are in the likeness of flesh and blood. He himself took on the likeness of flesh and blood to destroy that old tyrant, comma, the devil who held the power of death so that we would be liberated from the same tyrant. Christians don't die. We change locations. That's why Paul told the church. Why did Paul tell the church? To those who sleep, they've fallen asleep early. What did Jesus say of Lazarus? He's not, he's just sleeping. What did he say about the young girl? She's sleeping. Let the world be afraid of death. We laugh at the grave. It's not our home. It's not our home. Jesus has overcome. And do you know why? Do you know why he came out of the grave? Because the Bible says it could not hold him. Not that it didn't want to. It could not hold the one who was born of a virgin. He didn't come from mere dust. His father is the ancient of days. Had he sinned one time, the earth would have held him. From dust you've come to dust you shall return. In the day you sin, the scripture says, in that day you shall die. When Jesus broke out of the ground, Romans teaches us, it was the declaration of the Holy Ghost that he is the son of God. Don't you fear anything. Jesus is king. You will close your eyes one day, yes, but die we do not. Our body gives out, but we are not children of death. We are not children of the darkness. We are children of the light. And our king came through the ground. The whole world's afraid of the ground. The whole world's afraid of the ground. Afraid of a hole in the ground. Don't you know what the gospel of Matthew says? Pastor, can I have five more minutes? Don't you know what the gospel of Matthew says? That after his resurrection, 
The graves broke open in Jerusalem. And for 40 days, how'd you like your great uncle, great, great uncle knocking on your door? You'll never believe what just happened. Jesus descended into the underworld, as First Peter says. Psalm 24, open up ye heads, ye everlasting doors. Open up ye everlasting gates, and the king of glory shall come in. That's a messianic promise that this king is coming to the belly of the earth to embarrass the devil and take his friends out. So when Jesus came out of the ground, guess what happened? His friends came out with him. Because that's who he is. Jesus didn't just die for you, he died as you. Jesus wasn't buried just for you, he was buried as you. Jesus wasn't raised from the dead just for you, he was raised as you. And today he sits at the right hand of his father as the high priest, not just for you, but as you. Representing you. That Jesus. Oh, I feel the anointing. You say, I haven't heard this. It's all there. He's coming. He is coming. And the bride's getting ready. Pastor said it in the back. He said it in the back. Jesus is getting his people ready. There's a bridal revival coming. A bridal revival. People that are in love. People who've been purified. People who look like him and act like him and talk like him and smell like him because they've been sitting in Esther's baths waiting for the king. You know, Jesus, the only thing that impresses him is what he does himself. God's purifying his people. There's a bride emerging. There's churches that are planted, not so that they can be famous, so that Jesus will come live with them. There's songwriters emerging who don't care if their record ever sells as long as it moves his heart. He's coming. Can I have the keyboardist, please, very quickly? The king is coming. Say, I just don't believe it. You don't, then you need to get saved today. It's, it, this is the gospel message. The creeds of the church say it. He shall return to judge the quick and the dead. The apostle John said, and we will behold him. And when we, we behold him, we shall be like him. Oh my gosh. You get this, you'll fear nothing. Man, brush off, listen to me. Brush off the subtle attacks of the devil, no matter how big they seem. I'll never forget the Holy Ghost said, Michael, to me. He said, Michael, how will you slay dragons if you're so busy swatting flies? Focus on Jesus. The bride does everything with the bridegroom in mind. Everything. She's addicted. And when he comes, he's going to put things in order. You know, the Bible says creation groans and travails the manifestation for the manifestation of the sons of God. 
You know what we've been teaching a generation? That is just all about you. Creation is groaning for you to step into your dream. For you to be all you can be. For you to start that coffee shop and write that poem. Do you think maybe it has, it's a little bigger than that? You think there are earthquakes going on because you didn't start your coffee shop? Or write that next song? No. What is the manifestation of the sons of God? When he cracks the sky. As the last Adam who lost. Listen. The first Adam loses all reign and authority on the earth. And the earth starts travailing because it had no king and governor. Now the earth's crying out. I need a king. I need a king. I need a king. And his people to put things in order. And I'm here to tell you today, under the authority of the scriptures and the Holy Ghost, that the king of ages is coming to set up his rule and eternal kingdom. And he is looking for a people who have lost the religious, numb, leather-like hearts who want him at all costs, who will do whatever they have to do to love him and see him and know him. Would everybody stand, please? Pastor, I'm sorry for going a little over. I hope, I hope it's, it was okay. Church, listen to me. Listen to me. Altars don't save. Prayers don't save. Tracks don't save. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus. You, what I don't want you to bank your salvation on whether or not you went to an altar call one day. Or whether or not you, 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 you filled out some card or paper. No, no. The, you, the Bible says this, the Holy Ghost bears witness in us that we are children of God. You can know. You can know. The proof is, is Jesus living through you? Is he truly living his life through you? Does your life look like Jesus? That's the simplest way to describe the born again experience. To those of you who've fallen out of love with Jesus, and you know it, while I'm preaching, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel the Lord bringing me back to him. He's rekindling this old fire. You lost your fire. You lost your sensitivity to his spirit. His word doesn't move your soul anymore. Worship doesn't move your soul like it used to. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you're one of those two groups, I want you to lift your hands right now. Lift your hands. You say, I'm going. If you raised your hand or you wish you did, you run down here right now. Get down here right now. Today's your day. Come on. Come on down and make yourself ready for the coming of the king. Step out of your seat. Many of you raise your hand and get down here right now. Come on, come on. Don't even wait. Don't even wait. Just come. God bless you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give the Lord praise, church. Come on. Come. There was a day, there was a day where I refused to beg people to come to Jesus, and that day is no more. I beg them gladly. Come on. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Those of you young and old, maybe you lost your first love. You come today. You come today. The Bible says make your election sure. Come, ma'am. Come. This is precious. Give the Lord praise. Give the Lord praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, if you need a miracle in your body, if you're sick, I want you to come and stand right here in this section. Would you all come closer, please? Y'all stay on this side. I'm gonna, can we have a separate section right here just for people who need physical healing? Come on down here. Just come on down. I'd like the ministers and the prayer team to come forward. Would you come forward? And for those of you who are sick, you're just gonna stand right over here. Right here, just fill in this gap. 
And as the ministers and prayer team come, they're going to anoint you with oil in just a few minutes. I'm going to pray a corporate prayer of faith and believe God for miracles. But first, I want to lead these precious souls to Jesus. I want everyone in the church to lift your hands to the Lord. If you came forward right now wanting to walk with Jesus and give him your life, this is your moment. Pray this out loud with me. Come on. Just close your eyes. Forget about everything. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive my sin. Wash me in the precious blood of Jesus. Cleanse my soul. I want to love you. I want to burn in love with you. Jesus, you said that if I would confess my sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Cleanse me today mighty name of Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross and shed your blood for me. And I believe that you were buried, raised again, and you're seated on the throne, and that you are coming back again. Hallelujah. I am yours. I repent of my ways and turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord praise? Now, for all of you, all of you here, all of you who came for healing, I want the whole house, don't, just don't leave. Let's get in here and get in and contend for our brothers and sisters. Stretch your hands, would you? If you need healing, you don't have to beg. Just receive. It is the children's bread. I'd like the prayer teams to go out and just start getting your hands on people. And if you need healing, I just want you to lift both hands. Okay, ministers and prayer team, go to these precious souls. In the mighty name, come on church, agree with me. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we curse every sickness under the sound of our voice. Every cancer, die now in Jesus' name. Every lymphoma, die now in Jesus' name. Every glaucoma, die in Jesus' name. Diabetes, die in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Chronic fatigue, go now in Jesus' name. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. As many as touched you, Lord, were made well. Your word says that you healed all. Now, if you need healing in your body, I just want you to say this out loud. Say this out loud if you need healing in your body. Jesus, I receive my healing. By your stripes, I am healed. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.